Okay, can you turn, please, in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30. Now, I want to look this morning, and I do want to continue on this thought of spiritual warfare that we have been considering now for some time. And... Um, and uh, I've, we've been looking at some of the negative aspects that are associated because we've been looking at the book of Judges. And Judges really does bring out the negative and the positive because God is uh, the one that uh, restores and uh, reconciles and uh, turns things around. So thank God for that. But nevertheless, there, there are negative aspects that are associated with spiritual warfare and how they impact the believer this morning. And so this is important for us to understand because as the scripture says, the enemy comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. And so the enemy is about always uh, seeking whom he may devour and especially when it comes to the children or the child of God and the church of Jesus Christ this morning. And so as a result of the, this, the reality of spiritual warfare, as a result of um, uh, the things that go on around us and the battles that we face, the victories and the failures and the defeats that are a reality for us all, what ends up happening is there are times as Christians where we do suffer loss. There are times as Christians where we do suffer loss. And this is not always due to disobedience, although we're going to identify it in this text again, but that's not always the case. And so the enemy... He has sought to attack and to oppress and to depress. And as we'll see in our text, the enemy never fights fair. In fact, when you are at your weakest point, when you're at your most vulnerable, it is there that the enemy will attack and try and uh, uh, seek to kill, steal and to destroy. And so we are mindful of these things. But, you know, even though we have setbacks, even though there are failures, even though the enemy may take ground, if you want to use that phrase this morning, God is into the business of recovery. Amen? God is in the business of reconciliation. He's in the business of restoration. Even when we fail, fall short. And so thank God that he is merciful. And the text that we're going to look at this morning teaches us just that. That when we look at Jesus Christ and his ministry, the Bible says that Jesus came to, uh, to minister and to heal all who were oppressed of the devil. And, uh, and, and we find the Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor and to proclaim liberty to the captives, to heal the brokenhearted, to set at liberty the oppressed. This is the ministry of Jesus Christ. And so... Sometimes we find ourselves in circumstances such as this and we need God's intervention to bring about uh, deliverance, to bring about healing and to bring about wholeness. And thank God that the enemy, God is in the business of healing and delivering even where the enemy has gained access and maybe wrought havoc in our lives. And so we want to look at this in our text in 1 Samuel chapter 30 and we're going to look at verse number 1. The Bible says, now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, they attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small 
to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. So David's two wives, Ananom the Jezreelitess and Abigail the widow, and Nabal the Carlamite, who had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abathar the priest, Elimelech's son, Please bring the ephod here to me. And Abathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. So David went, he and the six hundred men who were with him, and came to the brook Bessel, where those who stayed were, uh, who were left behind. But David pursued, he and the four hundred men, uh, uh, for two hundred stayed behind, who were so weary that they could not cross the brook Bezor. Then they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David and they, and they gave him bread and he ate and they let him drink water and they gave him a piece of a cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. So when he had eaten, his strength came back to him for he had eaten no bread nor drunk water for three days and three nights. Then David said to him, to whom do you belong and where are you from? And he said, I am a young man from Egypt servant of an Amalekite. And my master left me behind because three days ago I fell sick. We made an invasion of the southern area of the, of the Cherethites in the territory which belongs to Judah and of the southern area of Caleb and we burned Ziklag with fire. And David said to him, can, we take, can you take me down to this troop? So he said, swear to me by God that you will neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master and I will take you down to this troop. And when he had brought him down, there they were, spread out over the land, eating and drinking and dancing, because of all the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. Then David attacked them from twilight until evening till the next day. Not a man of them escaped, except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives, and nothing of theirs was lacking either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered all. David recovered all. You see, this is the title, David recovered all. And this is really important in the context of things because we're dealing here with the Amalekites. If you look at the beginning again, you'll see it's the, uh, it's the Amalekites that have come and they've invaded this area of Ziklag where David and his men and, and, uh, and families are, are, are gathered and are living. And in doing so, they have attacked them when they, haven't been, when, they, when they weren't there and they've burnt the place and they've taken their wives and their children and they've ransacked the place and they've disappeared. And so here's David and the troops, they're coming back uh, we'll establish the context further, but they come back, in, back into the city and they are confronted with this situation and they are absolutely distraught. Uh, distraught in the, in, in the full sense of the word. And so, again, 
Why were the Amalekites even there? Remember, we've looked at the Amalekites through this story and through the process of this, and we have, we have identified that in the book of Exodus chapter 17, we looked at Amalek. And in, in notice also we looked at Saul. Saul was what? Commanded to destroy all the Amalekites by God. And, uh, and in doing so, he spared Agag and he spared the best of the, of, the, um, of, the, of, the, um, of the spoils. And also there were a great number, obviously, that were still survived. And so who, what do you have here? You have the Amalekites that come back and here they are now oppressing David at a particular time in his life, which will establish the context again. But the Amalekites are, 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 are just non-stop and that's why God said in Exodus chapter 17, he said that God will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Because this is an ongoing battle that, uh, that, that exists, not just for Israel, but remember we looked at the spiritual counterpart and we established that it had to do with the flesh and, uh, and how the, the spirit lusts against the flesh and the flesh lusts against the spirit. And uh, there's, uh, you know... Uh, where's the ascendancy going to be in our lives? Are we going to live and walk in the spirit or are we going to live and walk after the flesh? And there's this battle that rages in the Christian, in the believer. So here's David. He's just come under an assault and under attack and they have suffered a heavy defeat at the hands of the Amalekites this morning. And so what's interesting is the context of what's going on here because... Uh, the, the enemy, as we've established, he never gives up and he, gets, he wants to take you down when you're weakened, when you're tired and when you are vulnerable. And this is exactly the situation that David and his men find themselves in. Because they are at a place called Ziklag. And to just give you an overview of an understanding, in essence, they're not meant to be at Ziklag. And, uh, and so they have, if you know the story, David has been fleeing from Saul for quite some time, right? And he's hidden in caves, he's, he's, he's fled here and he's fled there across the mountains and, and, uh, and spared Saul's life a few times and all the rest of it. But Saul's just intent on killing David because he knows that he's uh, been ordained by God to take the throne. And so what happens is there comes a point in this process where David says, you know what, I'm sick of this. I've had enough of Saul trying to take my life and me having to be on the run, living in caves, you know, being fleeing from one place to another. So he says, you know what, I'm going to go over to the Philistines and I'm going to set up camp in, uh, and I'm going to approach the king of Gath, whom he was friends with, Akish. And he aligned himself with the Philistines to the point where there were times when the Philistines went to war uh, against Israel and David would lead his army against the, the Israelites and he would, uh, he, would, he would wage war with the Philistines. I know, that seems crazy, right? That's what was happening. And, um, and so that, this is the context. And so what's happening, there's a big battle that's about to happen between the Philistines and Israel. David wants to fight with the Philistines and this is why they find themselves out of Ziklag and they've come to join themselves with the Philistines to, to fight and then the kings and the lords of the Philistines look at David and they say, listen, he's not coming with us to fight because what this will provide an opportunity for him to turn on us. And so, you know, there's a whole story behind it. But they said, no, we're not going to allow David and his men to come with us and fight regardless of how good uh, you may think he is. 
and how loyal you think he may be. But nevertheless, we're not going to do it. So he sends them all back home. And it's as they go back to Ziklag that this event takes place. And so the enemy has gained an ascendancy. The enemy has attacked and wrought havoc in this situation. And so what we have here is a, uh, is, a, is a sad situation and it's a time of disillusionment for David and all the people that are with him. And so the question that we look at this morning is, should David have even been in this place? Should David and his men have been in this place? And the answer is, no, they should not have been at that place. In fact, if you look at uh, 2 Samuel chapter 22, verse 5, sorry, 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 5, you'll see that the prophet Gad, this is in the midst of when David's on the run, the prophet Gad comes to him and says to him, do not stay in the strongholds, but depart and go to the land of Judah. So David departed and went into the forest of Herath. And so what you find is that he hasn't, over the course of this time, he has not heeded the instruction of the prophet for obvious reasons, as we just established. And we find in chapter 27, verse 1, this is where David gets to. It says in verse 1 of chapter 27, And David said in his heart, Now I shall perish some day at the hand of Saul. There's nothing better for me than I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines, and Saul will despair of me to seek me any more in any part of Israel, so I shall escape out of his hands. Then David arose and went with his 600 men, and those were with him, to Achish, the son of Moak, the king of Gath. I mean, David really should not be here. He, the, the, he's, he's on the side of the enemy. He's in the enemy's camp. And so now they not only find themselves on the outer in terms of Israel, but now they're being rejected by the Philistines and so they're dejected. They're all dejected and they're returning back to Ziklag. And they find it uh, having been ransacked, burnt, and the women and children all taken. They are absolutely gutted and in despair. Can it get any lower for the children of Israel this morning? Well, it will for David because look at verse 4 of our text in chapter 30. It says, Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no power to weep. So this is the condition. I mean, they wept so much and so hard and so uh, 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 being in such form of distress that they had no more power to weep, the Bible says. And then the situation is so sad that they've lost everything that they begin to think to themselves, you know what, this is David's fault. David, you're the one that led us here. David, you're the one that brought us to Ziklag. You're the one that sought to align yourselves with the Philistines. And now look at what's happened. Our families, our wives, our children, everything, we've lost it all. And so look at, the beginning, look at what happens in verse 6. Now David was greatly distressed. Why? Because the people spoke of stoning him. Because the soul of the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and his daughters. I mean, they were absolutely in distress. They were grieved uh, and they, the Bible says they wanted to take up stones and stone David. 
That's why David, David was distressed on the same level as them because they, he had encountered the same loss. But even more so now, these that had aligned with him, those that had joined with him, are now considering in their distress and stoning him. The leader, it's your, your fault. And so they're going to take up stones and they're going to take it out on David and, and they're going to consider to stone him to death. I mean, this is serious stuff going on, isn't it? And so this is, they're saying David's failed us. He's done this. He's brought this about. And David is just griefed at his lowest point. Can it get any worse? The weight of everything is no doubt upon David. Could you imagine what he's feeling and thinking? What have I done, Lord? How did this happen? And you can sense the burden of his heart. But look at what verse 6 says at the end. Listen to those words. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. These are profound words this morning. You see, David comes before God because he's got no one else to come before. And he understands the God, God's love. He understands God's faithfulness. He understands God's nature. And I have no sense at this moment of time there's a reckoning in David where he realizes, I've erred. And look at the consequences of my choices and look at what it's brought about. I've lost my family. I've lost uh, uh, um, uh, the, the families of those that are with me. And the weight of the circumstances are so heavily upon him. I have no doubt that he has a sense of failure. And we know this because we're going to read some things in the book of Psalms in a moment that will give us further insight to what's going on in his heart. But David is coming to a place where he comes to his senses and he's thinking, I failed, I shouldn't really be here. Uh, God, I, have, I, I didn't obey your word, I didn't listen to the prophet. I should have sought your will before I joined with the Philistines. These are the things that are running through his head. But the Bible says that uh, he, he's, not, uh, he's, he's not broken before God in the sense that he's uh, disabled the bible says david encouraged or strengthened himself in the lord his god now this is important because it doesn't say that god strengthened him in that moment of time which no doubt took place but what we find here is the scripture says that uh, that he strengthened himself in the lord his god and so you know when you think about david's situation and you think about our lives this morning I think we can all relate to David in some way, shape or form. Can you say amen? I know I can. I, look at, I, I actually, when we go to Psalm 18, I remember God speaking me the same words he spoke to David at a time in my life where I was in a, a zigzag type of situation, where I had not fully obeyed the voice of the Lord, where I have not, didn't seek his will and his mind for the situation, where I made independent choices outside of proper counsel when I began to act in my own understanding and in my own strength and so this is what David's doing and he's ended up at Ziklag and he's ended up with bearing the consequences of what's going on and so we've all done this we've all acted in this manner but you see what's important this morning is that we do what David did this is important because it's not a matter of just 
turning your back on God and saying, you know what, it's all over, I've stuffed up and I've made some wrong choices. It's not about a self-pity party because that's what we're prone to. But rather, it's a time where we humble ourselves before God and the Bible says David strengthened himself in the Lord. And can we do such a thing this morning? The answer is yes, we can. And faith is the key to this. That word strengthened in the Hebrew, it means to fasten upon, to be strong, to strengthen, to harden, to take hold of and to cleave. And this is the, the idea is, is David's at a bad place and he's slipping away. He, feel like, he feels like he's just losing his grip on God, so to speak. And he says, you know what? I'm going to double down. I'm going to humble myself before God. I'm going to draw near. I'm going to strengthen myself. I'm going to lay a hold of God. I'm going to cleave to him. I'm going to harden my resolve and will to, to, to press in and to come before the Lord. You see, this is what's required at these times, especially in the context of spiritual warfare. It's so easy just to, to be tossed to and fro and to be rattled and to, be, uh, um, uh, uh, to really just um, to be weakened by the issues of life. You know, things happen. And as a result, sometimes it causes a weakness with us internally. People internally collapse. They give up. They isolate. There's a lot of things that how the human nature reacts in various circumstances, as David did in his. And yet what is needed, we come to a point, God brings us to a point, as he did with David in this instance. And, and we just humble ourselves before God and we strengthen ourselves in the Lord. And so this is critical. David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Now, I must say this is easier said than done. Okay, we're hearing this, and this is, this is truth. But at the same time, to, to, to see this play out in our lives, it, does, it doesn't happen automatically. It didn't happen automatically. David had to. That's why the scripture says David, David strengthened himself in God. This was a deliberate act from David in drawing near to God, in seeking God in that moment in time. And this is, is what is required of us this morning. See, especially during the, the throes of spiritual warfare that are going on around us and the enemy is just having, uh, uh, is wanting to attack and to destroy as we've established, this is what we have to do. We have to strengthen ourselves in God. And David did it and he sought counsel from God and he says, Lord, what should I do in this situation? So look, because he says to Abathar, the priest, Elimelech's son, he says, bring the ephod here, because that is a symbol of seeking God's vo uh, direction, seeking God's will, looking for him to direct the, his the steps and, and, and uh, uh, make various decisions. And so in verse 8, the Bible says, David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And God answered, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail, recover all. What wonderful words this morning. Without fail, recover all. And that's important. In fact, they recovered more, <laughs> not just all. And, uh, and, and this, is, this is God reiterating to David, yep, in the midst of this moment, 
You know, when we find ourselves at a certain place and we come to, the, like David, to strengthen ourselves in God and come before him, then God meets with us and, he, and we say, Lord, what do I need to do? What should I do? And then God gives us instruction as he will here. And in the process, God is about recovering all. God says, without fail, recovering all. And so, if you look with me, you can turn actually to Psalm 18. We'll look at a couple of scriptures because Psalm 18 is a reflection of this particular, these events that are going on in David's life. And so, look at Psalm 18. And I want to just highlight a couple. This, the whole chapter is actually outstanding if you want to read it in its context. But look at verse 19. It says, uh, he also brought me out into a broad place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. That's why David found deliverance and strength and direction from God because he knew that God was for him. That's why he was able to strengthen himself in God. See, we think because we've failed and that, that God is rejecting us, that God surely is not interested anymore. But that's not the God that we serve we have a God, amen, who even in the midst of life's circumstances, he's in the business of restoring and recovering and healing. This is how God, this is the nature of God this morning. And so here it is. This is why God met with David at that moment, because he delighted in me. And David knew that. He could have felt, you know, God's just rejected me. He doesn't care. Look at what I've done. No, they're not the words that he speaks. He says, he delighted in me. And look at verse 35. He says, you have also given me the shield of your salvation. Your right hand has held me up. Your gentleness has made me great. In that moment of, of, of despair, in that moment of humility and brokenness before God, God doesn't just come down and say, you know what, I told you so. You shouldn't have been there, David. He didn't come down heavy-handed. He didn't crush him. But you see, he got, David says, the way God dealt with me made me the man that I am today. And he says, your gentleness may, has made me great. He could have snuffed him out. He could have just said, enough of you, David, many a times. That's why God says that David is a man after his own heart. He understands that David failed many times. And yet his heart understands the nature of God. He knows who God is and he responds accordingly to God and he receives from God. And so he says, your gentleness, the way you've dealt with me, has made me the person that I am today. And that is so true, church. When I look at even my life and, and the lives of others, I can tell you now, if it wasn't for the Lord's gentleness, <laughs> none of us would be where we're at today. He's gentle with us, even when we fail him and fall short. Look at verse 32 of chapter 18. He says, It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of deer and sets me on my high heels or high places. He teaches me my hands to make war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. So in other words, in the midst of all of this, David is acknowledging the battle. He's acknowledging the war. And this is the reality for the Christian. This is why David's even in this place because there's spiritual forces at work. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. 
And in the midst of that battle, we fail many times. We don't stand. We don't obey. We don't do what we should do. And the result is, is that we can be affected by these things. And, uh, but through that process, God teaches our hands to make war. That's what David is saying. He teaches my hands to make war that I can bend a bow of bronze. It's talking about strength, inner strength. And that's what David had. He says, David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And God no doubt strengthened him that morning or that day. So, recovery this morning, or recovering all, speaks of our faith towards God. It speaks of the condition of our heart before God. It speaks about the faithfulness of God. It speaks about the promises of God. And as Christians, the internal inheritance that we have, you see, nothing is altogether lost, church. The enemy may take ground. The enemy may win a battle. The enemy may uh, ascend, uh, gain the ascendancy for various reasons. But you know what? God is not finished and it's never the end. Because God can and does turn things around. And he recovers all. Note that. He recovers all. And so I, I would say that no doubt when we, we can, the, the enemy has stolen things from us as Christians. Our peace, our joy, uh, um, our faith. And areas of our life, of, of in our inner man, where we may have been weakened, but nevertheless, in the midst of any defeat and, uh, and despair that would come upon our lives, if we would take this approach as David did, you can count on it this morning, because the Bible says we will recover all. And the prophet says to, or God says through the prophet to David, without fail. Because the truth is, is our God never fails. Our God doesn't fail. We fail. And this is what's happening. And, but, uh, and we see this so often throughout the Bible and throughout Scripture's men's failure. But it doesn't, uh, amen, doesn't negate God's faithfulness. It doesn't negate God's goodness. It doesn't negate what God can and does do because he will recover all without fail. And so therefore we should be encouraged this morning. And listen to the words in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience with our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. That word in the Greek, hold fast, means to keep in memory. You've got to understand who God is. You have to have a proper view of God and his nature and who he is. Because if you don't, then it will affect the way you relate to him and how you respond to him. And so this is why it says, hold fast. Keep in mind that you can enter the holiest what? By your own works? By your own goodness? By the blood of Jesus. That's the confidence that you have. That that's the basis that I can draw near to the throne of grace. 
So I keep these things in mind, and that word also hold fast means to possess, retain, to seize, to take hold. And that's what we need to do is hold fast. And this is something that we must do. This is something that relates to us individually this morning. David, we must learn like David to strengthen ourselves in God. And so David led his men on a pursuit after being instructed by God. And the Bible tells us the process by which that was involved. And then the way in which it ended is they found their wives, children, and all their possessions. And the Bible says that not only did they get them all back, but they, they took all the spoil from the enemy. Because that's what I said. Not only does God restore all, he restores more. Amen? And this is the goodness of God. And so, you know, we don't deserve that. David didn't, and didn't deserve that. But God is, 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 is so wonderful. He's, not, he's teaching David through these circumstances. And sure, David has gone wayward in ending up at Ziglag and siding himself with the Philistines, of all things. But nevertheless, God has worked through the situation. He's restored all. And he's going to restore him to uh, the, to the throne in which he would eventually be established on the throne in Israel, in which we know that happens this morning. So God is for us. And that's why the scripture says, David recovered all. What a wonderful outcome. God turned their sorrow into joy. God blessed them in abundance. And that's why the Bible tells us as well in Romans 8, 28, all things, work together for good to those who love God and are the, are the called according to his purpose. And though we may be like David and may find ourselves out of the way or we're not where we should be or failed, whatever the case may be, God never fails because he who has begun a good work will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And so God is faithful. And he will work in, th in and through the circumstances of our lives, the good and the bad, to teach us, to train us, to mature us, and to conform us to the image of his son. And so that's why the scripture says, if God is for us, who can be against us? God never fails, church. In the midst of spiritual warfare, let us learn this same lesson that David learned. That he strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And I pray that we and each of us this morning can do the same because it's critical in the midst of spiritual warfare. Because when we take that place on our knees before God and lay hold, God turns things around. Hallelujah. And we take back what the enemy has stolen. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you this morning. Lord, for your loving kindness and your grace. We thank you, my God, that your word is true. And we ask, Lord, that you would surely take it and apply it, Lord, and minister it to your people this morning. In the glorious name of Jesus Christ, amen. Now, if you could just bear with me just for a moment, we do want to take the opportunity before we dismiss to pray for uh, Brother Colm and Gemma. And so, obviously, as he said, this news just came yesterday. They've booked the flights. They're going out tomorrow. And so we just want to... We've already prayed, but we want to formally pray for them. So if you could both come forward, Colm and Gemma and Pastor Werner, and we'll just pray for you both 
in the context of your need this morning. Praise the Lord. Lift up our hands as a token for blessing. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, I thank you for my dear brother Colm. Oh Lord, what a man you have placed into this church. I thank you, Lord Jesus, and also his dear wife, Gemma. Lord, as they are going to go to Ireland in order to visit his brother and even more, Lord, that he might be a testimony to his brother. Lord, I pray that you will open the heart and the ears of his brother, that he might be able to place that wonderful seed of God, the word of God into his heart, and that he might have faith on Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Protect him, O oh Lord, on the way. Oh, Lord, I thank you that you will be with him. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, Lord, your ways are always wonderful. We thank you for the word we heard this morning. Lord, even we might not understand some circumstances, but one thing is for sure. Lord, we can strengthen ourselves in you, the Lord of our, of our life. Hallelujah. Jesus, we thank you. And we bless the name of the Lord. Bless Colm and Gemma as you travel to Ireland, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, that you will prepare everything. And also, Lord, that his brother might be able to understand everything, Lord, that he might, Lord, not be in a coma in any way. Lord, I thank you. Hallelujah. And Father, we bless our dear brother and his dear wife. In the precious and wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Pastor Gary. Yes. Hallelujah. Father, we do pray. God, you know the situation, Lord. And we, it is our understanding, God, that our hearing is last to go, Lord. God, I pray that preserve him, Lord. Give an opportunity for the gospel, Lord, to be proclaimed. But even still, God, you know the heart, Lord. And God, I pray that you would move upon his heart, that somehow, God, he would call upon the name of the Lord. Yes, Lord. Father, in Jesus' Father. name, God bless them as they go in their journey, Lord, and equip them and give them the grace of God to strengthen them in this hour. Lord, we ask your divine favor and grace and blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you both. Amen. God bless you, church. Be dismissed some fellowship, uh, tea and coffee outside. <laughs>